Solomon begins his reign over Israel, and God grants the humble king wisdom that makes him famous worldwide. On The Bible Brief. Our goal is to get 100 new monthly supporters before the end of 2023. Will you be one of the 100? Give today at BibleLit.org. Solomon is king over Israel, and he has big shoes to fill. The biggest. After the Davidic covenant was made known throughout Israel, the descendants of David became the focus of the nation. It was on David's line that the nation rested their hopes. From among David's family would come the great Messiah, the anointed one that the nation had been waiting for ever since the beginning of the nation with Abraham. Even before that, the world had been waiting for this Messiah ever since Adam and Eve in the garden. From that initial promise that the seed of the woman would defeat the serpent, the hope of mankind's final blessing and peace had all its hope on that seed to come. David had been the closest person to realization of the promise that the world and that the nation had ever seen. He was a descendant of Abraham from the kingly tribe of Judah. And he, through God's power, had conquered much more of the land of Canaan. He had united the tribes of Israel and had brought rest to the land after years of war. David had shown what blessing in the land was like, and he had continued in obedience to God, despite some significant detours along the way. David had faith in Yahweh, and as king, he led the nation in a righteous direction. The greatest illustration of David's godly zeal was perhaps in his desire to build God a house. Though God did not allow David to build him a house, he did honor David's desire by giving him the Davidic covenant of a dynasty, a throne, and an everlasting king. God had said that a seed of David would indeed build Yahweh a house, and that that anointed one would be the everlasting king. Solomon had big shoes to fill, and big promises to fulfill. And his dad was in his corner. David had made it known that Solomon would be king after him, and he'd even helped Solomon put down a small rebellion in the beginning of his reign. But Solomon? He had a choice to make once his father was gone. Would he honor the legacy of his father David, or would he seek a different path? Would he follow the narrow way to godliness, or the wide way to destruction? Solomon had the same opportunity and same decision that every generation has to make. Do we honor the legacy of our parents, or do we seek a new path? Do we take all the best things in the prior generation and seek to amplify them further, or do we take all the worst things and repeat them with more rebellion? Solomon knew about his father's faults. He knew about Bathsheba and Uriah. Bathsheba was his mom, after all. And his older brother was the little baby that died at only seven days old because of David's sin. Yes, Solomon knew, but his goal for his own life was to amplify the good in his father, the wonderful good, and to minimize the bad. This would be Solomon's great achievement in his life, if he could continue in the righteous legacy of his father David. This would be the achievement of us all, if we could be the righteous legacy of our own parents. Solomon had become king, 
And after the initial rebellion by Absalom's brother that was quickly put down by David, he was established in Israel. Solomon was on the throne, and the world was watching. Would he be like his father before him? We read this in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse 3. Solomon loved Yahweh, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places, because there was no temple yet built for the Lord. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Yahweh my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Solomon is off to a wonderful start. He loves God, and he walks as his father David had walked before God, and he seeks to honor Yahweh by making sacrifices to him. It's there that Solomon has his first encounter with God, as God appears to him in a dream. God asks a question that perhaps everyone wishes that God would ask them too. God essentially says, Ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. But Solomon doesn't ask for what we might ask for. He doesn't ask for riches or victory or fame. Instead, Solomon simply asks God to help him lead the people. He asks for wisdom to discern between good and evil so that he can properly govern the people of Israel. He shows his tender and humble heart. And we see God's reply next. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. We can learn something of God's heart from his reply to Solomon. God's willingness to give is so free that when he gives, he gives abundantly. When he expresses his pleasure, he expresses it in such bountiful ways that it can overwhelm a person. David first saw this with God's response of a great covenant in reply to David's desire to simply build God a house. 
and here. Solomon sees this from God in response to Solomon's request for wisdom to lead. Yahweh doesn't simply give Solomon wisdom, but because he has pleasure in Solomon's request, he will give him wisdom and riches and honor such that no king can compare to Solomon. The Lord even offers Solomon long life in return for continued obedience. All of this from Solomon's humble request for wisdom. We could learn a thing or two about prayer and desires from David and Solomon. Genuine prayers that give God glory and count on His provision often yield a bountiful answer from the God of the universe. Perhaps not instantly, and perhaps not in the way we envisioned, but bountiful nonetheless. Later in the Bible, we read this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God will ultimately give all things to those who trust in him. And though we may only get a taste of what God provides in this life, Believers will enjoy the bounty of all of God's wonderful goodness in the life to come. Solomon's request for wisdom has been granted by God. And in response to this answered request, Solomon makes additional sacrifices to God before the Ark of the Covenant that David had brought to Jerusalem. Solomon now looks forward to see the fruit of answered prayer. Soon, his God-given wisdom is tested when two women come before him to seek justice on a matter. These two women are in the world's oldest profession who happen to share a home. The first woman speaks and says that she had given birth to a child three days before the second woman had given birth so that they each had a young infant. But she says that the second woman accidentally laid on her baby in the night and the baby died. Yet discovering that her baby had died, she took the first woman's baby and acted as if it were her own. Yet the second woman before Solomon insists that, no, the first woman was the one whose baby had died, not hers. The first woman was lying. The two women put Solomon in a precarious position. How in the world would he be able to adjudicate this? How could he determine whose baby was the one in front of him? Was the first woman telling the truth, or the second woman? He couldn't do a DNA test at around 1000 BC. What would he do? We read this, starting in verse 24. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the first woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son. O my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the second woman said, He shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Despite the king's precarious position, Solomon suggests something that seems harsh and unjust, but he uses it as a ruse to fish out which of the women is telling the truth and which is the liar. By identifying the woman with compassion on the child instead of spite for the child, he finds the honest woman. Immediately the kingdom hears of the king's wise judgment 
and all understood that God's wisdom was with him to do justice in Israel. This event is only a sampling of the wisdom of Solomon. He was wise in his rule, wise in his economics, wise in his leadership over the nation, and wise in everyday life. Solomon even recorded much of his wisdom in the biblical book of Proverbs, and probably the books of Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. God gave Solomon a wonderful gift, and through these other books we benefit from it even to this day. In Solomon's day, though, Israel certainly benefited as well. This is from 1 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 20. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. And Judah and Israel lived in safety, from Dan to Beersheba, from north to south, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, all the days of Solomon. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed all the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke three thousand proverbs, and his songs were one thousand and five. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. It's hard to overestimate the impact that Solomon had on the world at the time. He had a kingdom that expanded from Egypt to probably the Euphrates River. He had trade conducted through the Mediterranean and Arabian seas, and people from all over the world came to hear the wise words of this blessed king. For this son of David, everything was going right. God had given him wisdom and riches and honor and fame. It was a golden age in Israel. Solomon was fulfilling his father's legacy. He humbly asked God for wisdom to lead the people, and he began to lead them in a godly way. Just as David had prayed for him, Solomon was a good king over Israel. But he still did have one major task of his father's. The task his father had only prepared, but couldn't begin. God's house was still a plan, but Solomon would soon break ground to make the great temple of God. Join us next time as Solomon builds the magnificent temple before fire comes down from heaven. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.